Well, welcome to Set the Month in Motion, our lucky number 13, our monthly podcast and forum produced in partnership with the City of Fremantle's Building Capacity Program. My name is Janisha Quinlan and I'm the CEO of the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. We are meeting today, hopefully, for the very last time in, uh, without our live studio audience as social isolation begins to lift and we're really looking forward to uh, this weekend with Fremantle opening up again, so to speak. Our first live stream on Facebook last month proved really popular and we had 65 individuals streaming live listening to interesting discussion around budgeting in these crazy, crazy times. Ironically, on what was one of our most stormy mornings I think we've had in a while. So budgeting in the eye of the storm went down so well that we've decided again to stream live on Facebook. So to all of you listening out there, welcome and thanks so much for uh, tuning in. Times have certainly changed and I think this format of, of going live will hopefully be something that we will continue. Um, but as always, you can catch our monthly podcast and catch up at our station, which is called Set the Month in Motion um, and it's available on any podcast station. So let's leap into today's conversation that was touched on a little bit last month, ironically, when we were talking about budgeting, the tough financial and emotional decisions that our business leaders have been enduring and facing over the recent pandemic and its economic fallout has obviously been very top of mind. And we're incredibly grateful to have um, an extraordinary panel of experts here today uh, to talk about mind, body and business and look at how we all, I guess, share the one thing in common at the moment is dealing with all of those different challenges and how as individuals we cope with what they've brought to our lives. It has actually intrigued me over the last 12 months of facilitating these discussions, just how many times, no matter what the topic is, whether it's on creating interesting customer experiences, on budgeting, on so many different parts of business, so often it comes back to us turning inward and looking at how we respond as business leaders and how we create and develop ourselves, even to closing the deal and how stressful that can be and, and taking that time. So I think it's well overdue that we have this conversation today and look at how our leaders respond, how we interact with others, and I guess how our humanness is so central in a way to how our businesses grow and develop. I read a recent Forbes article overnight that summed this up with this really interesting description. It said, business is fundamentally about humans interacting with one another. And anywhere you have human interaction, psychology can play a massive role. There are a number of ways psychology appears in business. The most obvious being when we are influencing and understanding other people and their behaviours. But the least obvious and probably most important use is when we're understanding ourselves. And I think that's going to be a really important part of today's conversation. So someone who has spent over a decade helping others understand themselves as clinical psychologist Rachel O'Byrne, a true Fremantle local. And we're so grateful to have you here today, Rachel. Rachel is a lead practitioner at Fremantle Clinical Psychology. She is lectured in abnormal psychology at Murdoch University, been published in peer-reviewed journals and worked in a multidisciplinary psychiatric team at Abbotsford Private Hospital, where she developed and facilitated depression, anxiety, addiction and trauma therapy group programs for women and men. Rachel provides individual therapy for adults experiencing a broad range of acute, chronic and complex mental health and relationship issues. She is particularly interested in the treatment of attachment-based issues that impact on our capacity for intimate connection with others and ourselves. And often these things present as mental health issues, as depression, anxiety, substance misuse, sexual dysfunction and social isolation. Rachel, when we were preparing for today, you noted that even after hundreds of first sessions, you're still surprised how much insight and understanding can be achieved within the first hour of therapy as clients shift from tension and fear to that relief and renewed option, optimism as they get a chance, I guess, to be seen and heard and, and respond without judgment. I think as business leaders, we're often in the fortunate slash unfortunate position of being seen, and we're often seen a lot. Um, but perhaps it isn't so obvious what's going on under the surface. Can you tell us a bit about what you're seeing in terms of mental health impacts from living through this pandemic? Hmm. So I guess there's been, <clears throat> interestingly, uh, two main themes, and they have actually fit with the theory quite, you know, mirrored that quite perfectly. Um, and one has been uh, how we as humans respond to stress. And while there are individual differences and this has affected us all in really different ways, there has been a fairly consistent theme in terms of um, when we're faced with a stressor, 
such as a pandemic, which is, you know, threatening to our lives and our livelihoods, um, then the first instance is to, <clears throat> we experience a stress response. So it's highly motivating. There's adrenaline, there's cortisol. It um, mobilises us to act and to uh, react to the stressor. Um, and that's what we saw at the beginning, I guess, with everyone pivoting their businesses and working out what to do and paying attention to what the government's next uh, legislation, you know, waiting for that next announcement. Um, and there was high energy, the panic buying, that sort of happens in the context of that. Um, and uh, then after that moment, um, and also I guess in practice, we didn't really see people. So everyone's down to their bare essentials, you know, they're not probably going to their Cairo, they're, you know, they're not going out for dinner, they're really knuckling down and doing what has to be done to survive. So it's that survival mm -hmm. mode. So we're not going to come to therapy unless we really, really need it. Um, it's not a time for kind of that higher level thinking or thought about the meaning of life at that point. And then the next stage uh, following a stressor, if it is gone, so a new missed car accident, we have that, oh, okay. And then our body uh, relaxes, cortisol goes down, adrenaline goes down. Um, you would know all of this, of course. Um, and uh, we get back to our homeostasis so we can recover quite nicely. But with this prolonged stress, um, we can't get back to that stage. Or it's very hard to. So what we're noticing is this really heightened, stuck, fight-flight mode um, that is really hard to get out of. And with that is then coming exhaustion because we just can't sustain it. So that's what we've seen in practice is uh, either no one coming because they're busy surviving, or if they are turning up, it was with a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, um, and then that uh, more people, I guess, attending in that middle phase, and now we're seeing more flattened effect, um, less energy, less motivation. Um, there's some relief, I guess, in Perth that it looks a little bit safer, but um, there's still uncertainty, and that whole process, even though we seem to, well, at least health-wise, come out of it quite unscathed, um, compared to the rest of the world, we still had to go through it um, and, and it's still not gone. So uh, that's one level. The other, I guess, is existential. Lots of uh, people coming in with what is my life about? And I think uh, we know that that fits with the research that faced with the threat of death, um, which a pandemic kind of brings to life. Um, we know that we start thinking about how am I living? If I am going to die, am I living the way I want to live? You know, is everything how I want it to be? So there's lots of those questions, two sort of one biological process and then the other uh, really existential about the meaning of life kind of concurrently turning up in the room. And, and it's really interesting, I think, how that flows into business. So, you know, you see people who are sort of, you know, so focused on, on getting their business right and getting everything and there's almost that sort of manic state. Mm -hmm. Um, but underlying it, there's been so much talk of we're all changed forever. Mm. Are we going to be able to sustain this? Mm. You know, are we going to be able to get the balance right between work and home life yeah. and all of these questions? Yes, so, that do we want to go back to normal? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and it feels like within a week we probably will be. <laughs> exactly, because the threat disappears and then we get back into those old habits. So, And as we work through today, I'd love to have a further conversation around that. Like mm. how do we maintain some of the positives mm. from a mental health mm. point of view? that have come out of this pandemic about mm. taking a bit of extra time, spending mm. time with our families and all of mm. those, I guess, more exponential sort of processes, mm. but also then how we deal with that sort of fallout of that really quick decision making and are we all going to be making decisions like this over yeah. the next little while. Um, so I definitely want to come back to a few of those mm. themes, Rachel. I think they're so important and so closely linked to our mental health, as you mm. mentioned, is with all that stress response, our bodies react under stress and our next panellist Dr Stephanie Brindle of Fremantle Chiropractic has studied this journey throughout your career. Um, Stephanie began her chiropractic journey during her time as a competitive swimmer and as this chapter of her life came to an end she transitioned into health wellness and chiropractic care. Um, and having seen a number of Stephanie's presentations, I think, you know, that holistic approach to how you manage care is obviously something that you're very passionate about. Um, Stephanie studied at Murdoch University and as her understanding of the potential of the human body grew, her passion for supporting others on their journey flourished. 
She's, under, she's taken her knowledge to all corners of the world from impoverished communities in Manila and the Philippines, right through to the northern beaches of Sydney. Stephanie, as we begin to emerge from social isolation, working from home and these high levels of stress that we've been talking about, what are you seeing from a physical perspective and what should we be doing to support our bodies through this time? Yeah, it's been really interesting working throughout this where everyone's moved their home spaces, sorry, their workspaces to home and their home environment where people have had to really adapt a space which isn't made for work to work. So they're sitting a lot more, they're not necessarily as active as they, they usually would be because they're not exercising and out in the community like they usually are. So we're seeing a lot of postural syndromes coming in where it's just usually we've actually moved quite well as a, a community to having stand-up desks and you know having quite ergonomic setups so people's workstations are a lot more primitive <laughs> than they usually would be so we're seeing a lot more couch sitting a lot more dining room table work setups and, <laughs> and sitting in bed doing a little yeah. computer work at night you know trying to pretend the pillows aren't in your zoom meetings. exactly and zoom meetings as well where you're sitting down instead of walking to an office space you're you're sitting there in a zoom meeting for hours yeah. sometimes so we are starting to see that that's having an effect on people's physiology because we need to have a base baseline postural strength and a postural kind of ability to hold yourself which <laughs> which we're not having that because we're not getting the exercise in so that's one part of it the second part of it is we're not designed to sit it's as humans who are designed to walk we're designed to move or social creatures and without being taken out that's causing a lot of things to start come through coming through neck pain headaches things like that so we really want to start promoting people to start moving their bodies moving their back bodies as well so all those extensors down the back of our spine we want to start seeing people engaging them a little bit more now so it's you know it's getting out going for your walks going back to your pilates doing some swimming maybe back in the pools when it's not so cold in the ocean um, and doing some specific exercises which will engage that which helps engage our brain as well because we just heard all about mental health and when it, we're, we're feeling down when we're feeling anxious when we're feeling depressed that causes that anterior posture and that anterior posture we know affects that same brain cycle so what we want to do is start bringing that back body in which starts to bring in your prefrontal cortex at the front of your brain which is going to help with all those higher thinking higher reasoning and bringing you out of those fight or flight emotions so that's a really big one and through that we then talk about how we sit and how we stand where coming from that c-shaped curve we want to start seeing that lift happening through so thinking like a balloons attached to your sternum and to your head and just lifting up rather than forcing it back is going to help with that process as well so it's kind of movement versus versus sitting. It's a really interesting point you make too about the connection. Can you talk a little bit about that, I guess, decision-making and frontal cortex and the high-level thinking and how that's related to that nerve system? That was really Absolutely. interesting. Absolutely. So with the way that our brain's designed, we've kind of got the three main areas. You've got your frontal area, you've got your middle, which is your limbic system, and you've got your base cerebellar. So what we want to see, well, what we do see is a primal emotions and our primal physiology is basically cause, um, uh, sent the signals are made through there, through that base area of your brain and your cerebellum. So what we, and that's your part of flight, that's your kind of what's going to keep you alive, what's going to keep you alive in your emotions as well. So that's your anger, frustration, sadness, all of those ones are housed through there. So when we start to develop as adults, and we, well, even through our teenage years up into our prefrontal cortex, where we'd create more connections, that's where our higher reasoning is, our cognitive thinking, our pattern, our problem solving, all of those emotions are held up in there so we really want to start to see people as we move from this fight or flight mode to move back up into the prefrontal cortex and as I said before a lot of that information comes from our spine so we can use our spine and we can use our nervous system to help balance itself in times of stress. It's amazing really interesting insight mm. I've heard before Stephanie thank you. Um, so Brian, welcome. Um, it's now time, I guess, to turn a bit of our attention to what all this means from a business perspective. Um, Brian Goodold from Business Foundations has been a business and organisational development advisor, learning and development facilitator and coach for over 20 years. His distinguishing characteristics are his influencing and communication skills and use of contemporary high impact mindset and behavioural change tools. 
Brian uses his skills and experience to facilitate the ease and pace of organisational change and personal adaption to systematic changes. The adaption strategies also underpin the success Brian has with small business owners facing the challenges of growing their businesses profitably. Brian, you facilitated a wonderful workshop up here at the Chamber in, in what feels like a lifetime ago, where we looked at goal setting. And um, I don't think any of us with all the projection in the world could have predicted where we end up right here today. I, I saw a great meme the other day that said anyone that guessed where they were going to be in five years' time has definitely got it wrong. <laughs> That's absolutely where we are at at the moment. Um, Brian, how do we, in our businesses, adapt as leaders to cope with such an influx of change in such a short period of time, to have almost gone from our goal setting in January to suddenly finding ourselves having to pivot our businesses. Can you just talk through a little bit about what you've seen during this time? Yeah, well, look, uh, we had a lot of councils sending clients uh, funding and sending them our way to get some business advice on what they, when COVID hit, what to do. And a lot of those people were really in a bit of a panic mode. It's like the lights had gone out, they couldn't see where they were going. So um, really one of the key things uh, we had to do was to give them hope, uh, to look at what resources were available, were coming available, because it was a moving feast at the time and still is. Um, but essentially there was a lot of that uh, fear about the unknown, just mm. that and you know, triggering. Uh, a lot of the reactions, the uh, fight and flight and all those sort of things. So having to deal with all these emotions as well. And interesting, you're talking about the forethought, uh, your frontal lobe, which is forethought control. So hope in some ways is tied to creating a vision. So what we really needed to do and what we did uh, with it, virtually all the clients was to have a look at what could you do? How can we uh, stop the financial leakage so we didn't go under? Yeah, yeah, so restrain all our expenses but then really have a look at how do we redefine our business model to cope with this? What's likely to happen? And what was likely to happen? So hard to predict that there was, you know, as I said, there was just this continual build-up of fear. So um, I found actually an interesting aspect to that was working from home on the table. <laughs> uh, Louise got to hear what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. And her comment was, gee, you really give them hope about what they can do and shine the light and look for the silver lining essentially, and that was one of my key phrases was, you know, where is the silver lining in this? Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, in times of a lot of change, there always is. There's some silver linings and uh, I've had businesses that have just turned on a sixpence uh, and are doing really well. And a surprising number of the clients have actually done quite well through it, but they were the ones that didn't get depressed. They were the ones that managed to keep using their forethought, their, their, their frontal lobe, if you like, but thinking ahead, what can, how do I deal with this? Uh, but when you're going down under the weight of the tension and stress, it's very difficult because it really fogs your thinking. So in some ways, I had to lift them out of the fog, the and, fog get them to, get to and get them to think about yep. what could happen. Uh, and some of that was, as I said, it was, it was, there's an element of hope in it, but it was about the optimism. Mm -hmm. Because people get locked into, and the world steers you this way, it locked into pessimism which is Seligman, who's the source of all of that stuff, talks about that's making things worse than they are. Mm. That's actually distorting reality. Optimism is, in a way, is looking better than it is. So it was a case of optimism and realism. Optimism is what I'd love to be able to do, where I'm going, the hope. Mm. Realism is let's deal with what's real right now, and this is unusual. So that's where it was, is for people just to recognise that there were many others in the same boat, to, rec you know, to understand that this is a really unique, mm. um, never experienced, unprecedented thing. And let's ride it. And as I said, kind of, if, you, if your light only carries so far forward, sometimes you have to walk forward a bit further for that light to show even further forward. Mm. And so it was a bit like that during that period. And as I think as leaders, we're often, we make decisions, you know, that's in a part of the way probably we, we generally cope is to make a decision and you feel like you're moving forward and that's how you kind of keep going. And when that decision-making process kind of, in a way, gets taken away from you, it can be a very foggy place to be. So I think it has been interesting to watch as you've said, that the hope that can come from even just making a small decision to move forward, to know that, you know, it's not so overwhelming, let's just break it down into a couple of key decisions. Brian, on the way in, we were talking really interestingly, even just about um, the Fremantle Backpackers next door, who not only were dealing with the stress of their 
business leaders, mm. but had a whole bunch of very young people that were literally stranded, couldn't get home, mm. couldn't get any work and were stuck. And I'd love you just to give an example of how that creative thinking um, generated some really interesting ideas. Yes, well, he went from uh, uh, probably 130 backpackers, over half of them took off because they had the money to do so, home, but there's 60 stranded who, with no money, nowhere to go, um, was a real issue. So after getting the place re, you know, refurbed and painted and doing what he could inside, uh, we had to put them to work. So he came up with this idea, which we've been helping him implement, is you know, let's, let's actually create a cleaning company and we've got 60 staff <laughs> who we can put into that job um, because cleaning has just taken off. Mm -hmm. uh, trains, buses, everything has to be cleaned, you know, daily rather than weekly. So that means that's a business that's going through the roof. So <laughs> he's now focusing on uh, um, the winning the tenders and, uh, and there's already plenty of work out there just even on a subcontract basis. But putting these people to work and they, it gives them that hope. That mm -hmm. they can then, they're being productive, they're not looking, you know, wandering around and wondering what am I going to do, how am I ever going to get home, I'm in a foreign country. But it's getting them together as a team and actually putting them to work, which they love. So I think it's a great story, actually. I, I do Gorgeous. too. Yeah, and I really think that, um, you know, the sense of being overwhelmed, I, I just can't even imagine what it must have been like to be in another country, mm. to not have work and mm. to kind of not know what you're going to do, mm. just to mm. have that focus. And we hear a lot about retail pivoting. We hear a lot about hospitality venues having to pivot to delivery. But I think that's a great example of, you know, a very unique business, looking at what assets they've got and what they've got is some people and how they actually use those. Um, and on that decision making, um, Rachel, I'd be really interested just to hear from you and the rest of the panel. When we're under stress, how do we create that internal pivot ourselves um, to create better decisions and to know that there is hope out there? What kind of internal tools can we use to get ourselves to that point? Well, I think we need awareness yeah. first. So I think if we're living in a state of denial or if we're um, thinking it's going to be fine or if we're, I think, in your last episode talking about, you know, burying your head in the sand, um, that's not going to help. So I think first becoming aware of where am I at in that fight, flight, and we also talk about freeze and flop um, in that response. So where am I at and what do I need? Um, so if... If we are, you know, with business leaders, I guess we've got two issues in this pandemic. And one is that, like everyone, we have a family to support at home um, or ourselves to support personally. But then, like you've just discussed, we also have this other family um, that we've got a lot of responsibility mm -hmm. for. So I think it's working out where we're at and what we need and really making sure then we reach out for that. So, you know, we've heard that people have stopped going to their GPs to look after their health. Um, we, we're seeing pretty good engagement with psychology. That's great. Um, I'm not sure if people are coming back and mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Um, so I think, you know, seeing people that can help you with the business, you know, if your mentor, finding, I guess, who is that person for you or those people. Mm -hmm. So if it's your accountant that gives you that sense of, oh, okay, I can see where I'm going, or um, business coach, or um, it might be your partner in business, or your partner at home, or it might actually be your staff. You know, can you lean on them? So I think it is really um, checking out where you're at and then making sure that you don't let yourself stay in that position. So if you're in the fight-flight mode and you're not sleeping and you're irritable and you're having lots of conflict in your relationships, and you know your heart rate's up and you're not exercising and you're not self-caring and you've skipped yoga and you're not eating well and you've started drinking more, then we kind of need to I think that's all of us, that. isn't it, Rachel? <laughs> I think you just described. Well, it's, it pretty much it is, is how yeah. we can cope, you mm, know, right. and we need to be gentle because we have all just been through this, you know, incredibly, and we're still going through it. We don't know what's coming next. Um, we need to be gentle, but we also need to be firm, just like with kids, you know, limiting screen time and checking the media. Um, so there's that, or if we're not getting out of bed, we really do need to work out and listen to the people around us telling us, mm. you know, you're too stressed or I'm worried about you or you need some help or we need to rest. So I think we've got to set limits around work and not be 
thinking about it 24-7, but actually we try to you know, stop checking emails, stop checking news, take some time off um, and try and help switch that um, fight-flight mode off. It's amazing, and I think that description that you just had almost is that sort of tough love on yourself, you know, mm. being gentle enough with yourself to take those moments mm. that are those moments that give you that, ah, whether mm. it's, you know, spending a little longer in the shower or going for a little walk to clear your head, giving yourself permission to have mm. that because we all need it at the moment. Yeah. But also being strong enough in yourself to go, actually, that bad behaviour isn't making you feel any better. Mm. Draw a line in the sand. Yeah. Um, and I think your comment about others is really important too. The, the idea that um, sometimes as leaders we think we can go through all of this alone and that we can just keep soldiering on and keep making decisions. And, and then all the other is, well, my family's the one I'm going to rely on to mm. get me through this, but they're coping in their own ways. So being able to share that load mm. with others and particularly other professionals, I think is really, really, really important. Any other comments from Brian or Stephanie just on that, um, I guess, how we take care to make better decisions through this process? Yeah, I, I loved what you were saying about, you know, taking care of the self first, you know, it's our, our nervous system, which is out of balance because the environmental stress, we can't necessarily change the environment, mm. but we can change the internal story of how we perceive the environment. So it's, we talk about this so much in practice in terms of just dropping in and mm. just taking that moment, mm. seeing what's going on in your body. Again, is your heart rate up? Are you flustered? Are you having anxious thoughts? You know, what's happening? And then having the strategies in place which are known to actually change that. Mm. So doing a five minute meditation, doing some box breathing or diaphragmatic breathing, getting on a posture pole or just laying on the, on the floor. Like it's, you know, going out, breaking away from the computer and going for a five minute walk around the block. It's just those really simple strategies strategies to just shift your thinking mm -hmm. because when you start to get into a cycle of thinking you start you, you, you it's really hard to break loose mm -hmm. and to actually shift that so if you can just break it move it and then come back to that same situation if you need to be there is you can then get a different perspective I think break it move it and a different perspective is <laughs> yeah. a great thing I may start actually chanting in my own head at the moment and I love the breathing comment I have actually through this found myself just doing a lot more exhaling and then I realise that other people can hear me when you're not working at home so I'm trying to rein that in ever so slightly. Brian do you have well, any other comments yeah, on well, that? This is where mindfulness uh, has mm. really taken over so I was recommending this a lot and then practicing it myself so mindfulness is simply turning the brain off and giving it 15 minutes to rejuvenate, if you like. I mean, it is a bit of a, a, a hormone gland, so it does need that time. Mm -hmm. But it enables to, you, know, you to, by, by just focusing on something simple, whether it's breathing or something, just to quieten the chatter that goes on, it allows you to dissipate and let go or wash off a lot of that tension. Uh, and you become aware of it as well. Sometimes you don't realise that, you know, as you relax, that you're actually tight around the shoulders and... So there's you know, relaxation techniques that commandos and people use, which is you know, how to let your muscle groups off. So as part of mindfulness, getting into it is you know, getting in tune or in touch with that tension, letting it go and stopping those automatic thought patterns you were talking about. Mm. Uh, um, so it's a, it's a surprisingly valuable thing. Mm. It takes some practice to get into the habit because it's very hard to quieten it at the start. Uh, but you get better with it and the value is well worth it. Because that's one thing we absolutely know is that in these times of change, our consistent patterns of thought and the way that we've always done things, for the first time I think consistently, it was like a no, that's not going to work anymore. So for all of us who haven't probably been in that situation of practising that mindfulness, it was a really big wake-up call I think and so important and I think we often do forget where that transition is between the person. I think when I was at Woodside years ago, they did a performance leadership course that was all about the you you bring to work. And, you know, for many, and particularly many men in male-dominated sort of engineering-type workforces, they literally had to switch themselves off as they walked through the gate. Mm. This chaotic world we're in now, no one can switch themselves off because, you know, as you said, we're working from home, we're in this very fluid state. Mm. Rachel, do you see a lot of that, I guess, in the practice of people who are very attached to, I guess, a certain way of being and thinking? And I think you made the point that either denial or walking around with the rose-coloured glasses, you've got to get to a point of almost reckoning that 
that maybe isn't going to work for you. How do we get to that point and move forward to make those positive changes? Uh, well, again, I guess it's awareness and then it's baby mm. steps. So, mm. you know, I do think just one thing. So if we are wired, it's what's one thing I can do less. You know, what is one thing I can drop from my to-do list? And there's a big to-do list. There's been big to-do lists, I think, since the beginning of this um, for business owners. And so I think it is getting back to, um, and even you mentioned this in a business sense last time, the nuts and bolts. Same psychologically, like what really has to get done and what can I let go of? Um, and then I think for people who need to move a bit more, who have gotten into that flop stage, it's what's just one thing I can get done today. Mm. So it's not looking at the to-do list and feeling so overwhelmed. So it's dropping one thing or picking one thing up. That's the starting point. I guess a comment on mindfulness, it is brilliant, but it's also just we've got to look at what people will pick up and there's a group of people who will pick up mindfulness and there's a group who you might set that for you know a good um, way for them to de-stress and they're just not going to do it and they'll come in and I'll even say before they leave you're not going to do this are you you probably get that with people for homework and they come back did you do your homework they didn't do it we know people don't often do it so for the whatever percentage that will take up that it is brilliant for the other percentage Go do some boxing, um, go for a walk, go and have coffee with a girlfriend, uh, go and see your, um, I call my branding coach, my, my business therapist, mm -hmm. you know, go and see wherever you're going to get that feeling of, okay, I can do this. And actually that was recharging. Go and see or do whatever it is for you, a swim. Um, just stay away, I guess, from too much of the retail therapy or the alcohol therapy <laughs> or the, um, the things that therapy, feel good yeah, immediately, oh, but right. that we know are gonna have an impact on, our, um, on us and our relationships and our business in the days and weeks to come. Mm. So it is just that, yeah, that distinction between what's gonna work for you and again, it comes back to awareness of knowing what's going to work for you. And I've even I noticed having do. Yeah, two boys. One of my boys is stoic. He holds everything in so much. And boxing's been amazing for him. I just put the gloves up and go, go. And yeah. it's wonderful to see him generate that. Whereas the other one is probably will come down and do a yin yoga session with me quite happily. Whereas the other yeah. one's like, this is not going to work for me. Yeah. So, And I think in business and particularly in business leaders, that diversity is there, yeah. that we do need to find those things that work for ourselves. And what was I doing last year that was working? for me mm. how was I living before this happened so what, what are my techniques to manage my stress and it's getting in touch with those again I guess um, great to try some new things but if you know if your eyes just glazed over when we mentioned mindfulness then then get back to who you are at your best version of you as a leader because we do need to be good leaders right mm. now we need to be we've got a lot to hold um, at home as everyone else has but also in our teams yes. um, and thinking about their livelihood and their futures and our dreams I guess you know it's not just all about money the money has meaning in terms of so much heart and soul that you know people have put into their businesses and the money's attached to freedom and security and lots of psychological themes that are bigger than just Absolutely. the bottom dollar and often mm. to a sense of self and a sense of identity you know for many of those people that lo literally lost work overnight mm. their their work was such a big part of yeah. their identity and how do they define themselves so yeah. without that um, yeah. to carry them through I think yeah a absolutely grief for a lot of people. Mm, absolutely and I guess grief presents in other parts of the body in really different ways as well um, Stephanie from a I guess a, a physical you mentioned um, you know the things we can do to protect the spine in particular and that sense of sitting up that balloon how that clears the mind as well um, what other things in a in a state of I think Rachel commented so well either flop or fight and flight you know <laughs> depending on where you are do you pick things that are that fit that current state for you or should you just if you're in flops throw yourself into something else altogether it's such that's such an individual question because everyone is so unique where some people who are in that fight or flight mode it is as you were just saying it's not one size fits all because you'd be like awesome 
go do yin, go chill out for a little while. But other people, as you're saying with your son, it's just not appropriate for. So it is finding that individualized, I'd say basically movement, which is going to be, which is going to stimulate the body in different ways. But ultimately what we're seeing is everyone's been in this heightened fight or flight mode for such a long time. It's the fatigue is coming through hard and fast at the moment for a lot of people's physiology so it's kind of flowing into that and not necessarily going back into the hit classes and going back into the high intensity boxing classes mm. and things because it's just draining the little reserves that we we have left but you know if we're talking about health if we're talking about postural health and things it is walking we're designed to walk if you like to run go for a run um, swimming is great for all your extensor muscles because you use them primarily throughout the activity it's you know those things as a general movement keep us really happy as chiropractors but then it's also you know getting back to your pilates which is so good for your core spinal health it's doing um, there are certain exercises like wall angels and bird dog and cat camel like certain exercises which will engage the right muscle groups as well and it's just finding out which ones are going to work really best best for you i think it's such a good point you make and especially as gyms are going to be opening this weekend that mm. everyone doesn't just suddenly go I'm going to get rid of that stress and, you know, yeah. to be a little bit gentler on yourself through the process. And also there's a, de there's a degree of deconditioning that happens over mm -hmm. time and everyone had great intentions at the beginning that they were going to do their home gym and they are going to go to exercise, you know, however many times per week. But the reality of it was most people didn't do it or if they were doing it, they weren't doing it to the intensity. So as they're going back, they're going to go back into these classes where it might not be at the same level, but they might have a perception that their fitness is at the same level. So being mindful of easing into it <laughs> rather than going. Yeah. I love I actually love, for me, one of the best things about um, social isolation is that everything did go online so I could actually be with my instructor but still do it at nine o'clock at night. It's been the best thing that's ever, I don't think I've yeah. ever got so much exercise done because <laughs> I don't think normal life accommodates for people who exercise at 9.30 because it's the only time they switch off. But, um, yeah, definitely. I think that that easing back into it and I think, Brian, even from a business decision-making point of view, we've had to make a lot of decisions really quickly but now is probably the time where you go, okay, I have pivoted my business. Either I have survived or I haven't survived. And maybe now it's about a bit of consolidation of some of those changes. Would you say that's fair? Well, it is. Um, it's also re-envisioning their business. So looking at the business model and adjusting it to suit because uh, we're not going to go back to normal. It will be a new normal in sort. So, you know, everyone has to make those changes and adapt. Uh, I mean, we've been forced to adapt due to this, you know, and, and a lot of tension and pressure, and that aggravates the, the whole uh, situation we're discussing. But Certainly having, having that, um, that focus, I think, on um, where do I want to take this business and now it's the emphasis for us is really going back into sales and marketing and mm. growing it. How do I grow it given the changes? Uh, and marketing, I, I'm often saying, you know, there aren't as nearly as many people out there waving the flag, so if you wave yours, it's going to be a lot more visible. Uh, and there's a lot of special deals out there for advertising. So, um, you know, it's really how do you tap into that uh, and bring your business out of hibernation and grow it again with the changes. Um, but if I can just add something too, something I've really noticed is there's been a great tendency amongst a lot of people to really build their empathy and, and strengthening of community. So mm -hmm. uh, there's cafes in Fremantle that have remained open, losing money simply because the owners wanted to provide the services to the people who depend on them. So they were changing to become a mini deli uh, so they could provide you know, milk and things like that. And I love that aspect of you know, what we've been through is how it, it brought out the best in many as well. And people you know, go for a walk and everyone was out walking due to the height. <laughs> and everyone's saying, G'day, how are you doing? And oh, who the hell are they? I don't know. You know it's like people going past in the car saying, hi, you know, love that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think in our um, visual marketing, one, we had that set the month in motion. It must have been like three or four weeks in. There was an idea that this was the time to reconnect with ourselves, to really creatively think and use this time to creatively generate new ideas. And now is the time to reconnect, as you say, reconnect with yourself, but also reconnect with everyone's been through the same thing. Find out who your loyal customers are. You know, this has been a great time to see who's still there, <laughs> waving the flag. Um, but also use it as a time to reconnect with 
the, the people in the community and the customers that you now know hold similar values to what you do as an organisation. Mm. I think it's a really awesome. good point. Kelly, is there, we've got a question. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. We're just taking a live question now. Um, a question from Lee. What are the best tools that an employer can use to support staff from a mental health perspective? Uh, I think clear communication. So if we think, I was thinking about this yesterday, that uh, if we look at the beginning of the pandemic and when uh, we were waiting for the government to make some decisions and we didn't know what was happening, you saw a lot of unrest and a lot of, you know, just lock it down and there was, you know, tell us what to do or will you make a decision, do this, you know. Um, so I think similarly with the business owners and leaders is to keep communication and the vision quite clear for the staff. So, and same with our customers, you know, uh, are you disappearing or are you here? When are you going to be reopening? So I think looking after the team, knowing, um, uh, them knowing, I guess, where you're at, them knowing pretty clearly what you can and can't do for them. Um, and then uh, I guess also looking out for each other more on mental health grounds um, of really, you know, talking seriously about them accessing support if they need it. Mm -hmm. um, some businesses, I guess, will have EAP type arrangements in place, but otherwise, you know, getting everyone back to their GPs, that's a really good place to start um, in terms of discussing mental health issues and working out where in Fremantle and around that um, you can access some services. That's a great, really great point. Brian, any comments in terms of internal communication and support for employees? Well, uh, Rachel really hit, hit the nail on the head. Um, it, being open in the communication, look, everyone knew it's a major drama. And, they were, and so I think when, when CEOs, leaders, managers, when they were being really open and honest about it, saying, well, we don't know where we're going either, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, it's, we're walking in the dark sort of thing. Uh, staff related to that pretty well, and they, they understood and were much more willing to accept some of the restraints and, and maybe, you know, being told to wait in a holding pattern and you've got no work for a while and let's work it out. I saw so many small businesses working through with empathy with their staff, you know, trying to work, how do we survive this until we get some money ourselves? Uh, so, you know, people were taking holidays, long service leave, um, but it was that sitting down and just being really open and honest and saying, well, we're all in this together, you know, how do we, you know, protect the business out because with that we'll protect our jobs and how do, what do we do and all that kind of thing. So Rachel hit the nail, as I say, on, right on the head with that communication. one. And what about, I guess, the, you know, the chinks in the armour and we're seeing that a lot in, in staff and in our families. Some people are coping better than others. And, and to Lee's question around if we are seeing people who aren't, coping perhaps quite as well as they normally would or are appearing to be in a situation of distress. What signs do we look out for and what should we be doing to help? I'd like to know that one too. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... Yeah, we're all looking to you, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think we all kind of know. So again, I guess it's what was normal for that person before or that employee. What are they normally like and what are they like now and is there much of a difference? So with this exhaustion phase we've been talking about, there's been a lot of withdrawal, a lot of shutdown. So if people aren't responding to your emails or aren't responding to your text messages or their answers are short or they just feel different to how they felt before, they're probably the signs. Um, that can frustrate some of us as employers, you know, and I'm actually thinking about <laughs> an email yesterday. Um, which I need to check in on. Um, that can frustrate us uh, in terms of, you know, where are they and why aren't they responding? But I think we do need to keep tuned in, actually, are they okay? And do they need some support? Um, rather than they've just dropped off the radar. So it's, you know, it is that second family and we are the attachment figures. Um, so we need to be sort of one step ahead, um, a little bit more secure. Um, even, you know, holding that space, getting help from, like we wouldn't discuss all of our finances with our children. We might say we've not got enough money to go camping or uh, to Rotnest or whatever it is this weekend, but um, we would uh, discuss that, I guess, with colleagues. And so there's some openness but and, and transparency in terms of definitely not um, 
suggesting, yeah, we're going to be going to Europe next month. Um, we know that's not going to happen. But um, so some transparency, but also, I guess, still thinking that you are in that parent mode um, and keeping an eye on them and uh, keeping some of your, I guess, parenting cards to yourself and with your colleagues and your own mentors and getting support from that way. But I don't think your team kind of need the whole weight of the business on them as well. I think it's such a good point and a, you know, a hard balance to get. Mm. I certainly found, you know, I think in larger organisations you can hold cards, you can lead in a very different way to when you're in a small organisation. Everyone's, it's sort of an all in feeling. Getting that balance right is really tricky, but keeping your eyes and ears open to how people are coping. And um, and I think even Stephanie, as you described, you know, even in body posture, in light, in eyes, there's so much we can see as signs that someone isn't coping as well as they would be normally and picking up on that. And then what do we do once we see those signs? Do we just go, hey, you know, you know, are you okay? It seems a bit of a cliche. Yeah, no, um, I was what do we about do? To say it's brilliant. You know, if you're even being pre uh, preventative, you know, maybe actually checking in. Hi, everyone, because we're not seeing each other necessarily. You know, we're not. Uh, we may zoom and we may, you know, have our computer like I did for a little while on the ironing board and plants are behind. It all looks great, but you know what's really going on. So um, not having that. Um, face-to-face -face contact it's harder to gauge where people are at mm. um, and not seeing them regularly so I think it might even be opening a straight-out conversation just checking in are you all okay contact me if you're not you know I want to make sure that everyone's safe and um, supported and I'm here and let's work out what you need together mm. um, so yeah preempting and being uh, I guess preventative as a parent um, parent uh, with the team I think is a good way to go about it as well. That's great and you mentioned um, the EAP programs mm. and the employee assistant programs obviously in large organisations yeah. they have those facilities available to refer people. Yeah. Are there programs for smaller organisations to get that kind of ad hoc help if they need it? I think with smaller organisations it typically comes down to um, well obviously um, you know, but it typically comes down to, I guess, supporting the, independent, uh, the employee or contractor to access their own GP mm. and access their own services. I guess it will depend on different organisations whether they can support that and at this time that's probably not going to be um, something a lot of businesses can do. Um, but at least, I guess, making sure or supporting them in finding where they can go. Mm. Um, we can put some resources and some links up yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Like. Fantastic. Any more questions, Kelly? Um, we have another one. Uh, as the world starts returning to work, what things do we need to consider when bringing employees back into the workplace? Fine. Timely question. Yes. We've just opened our office and, and we've just started this week to have clients come back in. Uh, well, it is the new normal thing you have to design. Um, it, it's really a case of uh, you know, how are we going to restructure our meetings, you know, social distancing, how do we do that? Do we, you know, if I'm having one-on-one -on -one meetings, we have to spread apart a little bit more. What about the cleaning between the interactions? How about the, the meet and greet? Some people do want to shake your hand uh, and it's not such a nice thing to shake it and then instantly put sanitizer on. It just doesn't always see the great signal. Um, so, yeah. so, You're offending people doing well, that, Brian. You do run that risk, don't you? It's like, yeah, hello, how are you? But, uh, so um, it's, it's re we're having to look at our, our office structure as well, you know. So the open plan is going to get a big shift around so that we can have those distances built in. Uh, so it's all that sort of thing. So it's coming back uh, to the new normal and working out and, and communicating as groups and teams how we're going to actually mm. function with this, all these changes. Because uh, the physical infrastructure point you make is so important too. You know, yeah. we've built workplaces in many ways to have this open plan, shared desks. Yeah. You know, our workplaces yeah. were moving in this really strong direction and it's now almost pulling back to needing space, to not sharing equipment and offices. So there's going to be a lot of thought not only into the emotional and mm. bringing people back to work, it's but so that's... Related. Yes. The topic today, the body and mind, mm. you know, all of this has started because we've had a threat to our physical body. 
And as we go back to work, you're talking about those physical changes. And I think as employers, if we get that right, then we're managing the psychological stress. So if my team know that I'm doing everything I can to, and our clients, to keep them safe, um, they're going to physically, then psychologically, they're going to be able to relax and come back into the workplace and our customers um, are going to, or clients um, are going to be able to come back in feeling like, yep, they've got this nailed. They're taking my physical health seriously, which means that psychologically, I'm happy to come back. Mm. And I think if employers aren't, um, I guess, showing those really evident signs and, you know, more sanitizer, the better. I don't think anyone, you know, at the risk of offending, they're going to think, oh, good, he's, you know, really serious about this. And if someone's serious about my physical health as much as they are about their family and their grandparents, then I'm going to feel more cared for and then I'm going to be able to perform better. Um, and give back and want to be there. Mm -hmm. If we don't get that right, then there will be that underlying sense of not feeling cared for and not wanting to be there and not wanting to participate, I guess, in getting the business back up and running. So it's going to work both ways. Such an important point you make. And I was even just thinking back over the weekend of some of the businesses that have opened up and where you are going into ones where they are cleaning and mm. that, you know, they're saying before you browse, please, you know, use mm. some hand sanitizer. You do feel a lot more reassured than a couple where he's like, sit here. And I'm like, someone's just got up there. <laughs> you know, that does make you feel a little less comfortable to be there. And it, I think, I hadn't actually thought about that, Rachel, in the context of we all know working in bright, open, warm spaces makes us enjoy our work a lot more. But in this case, it's actually, it has to be, that's <laughs> right. And, and part of our own security yeah. is being in clean mm. and fresh environments that can then help mm. us sit up straighter and taller mm. and know that we, we're not crouching or ducking and weaving away from people. Yeah, Which is a bit cool. of a shift, yeah. you know, because we've gone, we went through that stage, and I guess some families still do, of a lot of um, cleaning products and children getting allergies, and I'm not sure if they're completely related but you know it's like get dirty get your hands yeah. dirty more germs early the better um, and now it has completely shifted you know we want everything clean so I think that's really important for business owners and their work their t family of uh, staff and their family of clients to know that they're looking after them Absolutely. and then for the business owners also to make sure that someone is looking after them yes yeah, absolutely. We're actually facing one of the challenges is do we use the temperature gun at the forehead when every client comes in? You know, do we, I mean, strictly speaking, that's great protocol, but what sort of signal does it send and to, at what point do you go too far? That's so, right. So and, these are and we know that men with. tend to get coronavirus more because they don't wash their hands as much, Brian. So do we get the men <laughs> in the room to go, right, you're all off to wash your hands before we start the meeting? You know, it yeah, can be that ridiculous. Half so. the world's population is rubbing their hands with glee. Thinking, Thank God <laughs> you're going to finally do it. Learn to wash their hands. I love it. That's no, hilarious. Again, we have to look at how are the team going to feel about that and how yeah. are our clients going to feel about that and what's the real risk? Um, you know, I know that in Perth, a lot of us are feeling a lot more relaxed. Certainly I am. GPs I speak to are like, wow, this, wow, we're feeling okay, you know. Yeah. So we don't want to get overconfident, but also I think um, I did go to one shop that had the gun and I still went in, but it was... <laughs> a little confronting. <laughs> it was a little, you know, I thought... Um, so I don't know, if we're in New South Wales, bring on, I shouldn't probably say that, bring on the gun. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the moment it feels like uh, getting the balance right, I guess, of, mm. of being responsible and, you know, um, really onto the body and mind in that sense without going over the top or being too complacent. Mm. It's like managing any real risk, isn't it? You know, when we look mm. at risk profiles and we look at the likelihood and the consequence mm. and we make some judgments and we apply resources to manage those risks, this is no different. So it is, are we going to risk offending people and our customers not wanting to come in or are we going to make them feel comfortable? Mm. And, and where's the line as decision makers that what's our appetite for taking that risk, so to speak? I think it's somewhere in there, isn't it? Well, one of the big things for us at the moment is doing the COVID safety plans. And a big mm. part of that is the risk assessment. Mm. So you have to go and think through your business. You know, where are the risks? What are the things people touch? You know, we, we have an open coffee situation. So <clears throat> you know, what do we do with guests and clients who just go and help themselves to coffee in the kitchen and, and that kind of thing? You know, what's our procedures? And, mm. 
So there's a lot of that that we're having to deal with as well, but so is everyone. Yeah, that's right. And then having empathy for difference. Yeah, know, because absolutely. We're gonna have, we are individuals as business owners. Some of us might be more anxious. Some of us might be a bit more blasé generally. So we might need training to become you know, um, a bit more in line with what's needed or to relax a little bit and get some advice from someone who That's right. can do a COVID <laughs> plan for you. And when we're talking about the anxiety, plan. the last thing we want is everyone, you know, feeling so outside their comfort zone yeah. so that all they're doing is stressing about whether they've got everything right yeah. in terms of some of that hygiene stuff. Mm -hmm. Kelly, is there anything else that people wanted to talk about? Um, I guess I've got a couple more um, briefly just as we wind up i mean we've talked about some of the signs including of what we look out for in terms of taking care of each other and i think rachel you mentioned that when people perhaps are withdrawing that's one sign but obviously we are all individuals and everyone does respond in different ways stephanie when someone presents to you what are some of maybe the physical and different signs you look for that someone maybe isn't coping as well as they could be Again, it's such an individualised thing. It's um, it's actually quite interesting. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot more people and even children who are not necessarily understanding the stress, but they're coming in um, with the environmental stress. More ticks um, are coming up, so a lot of facial ticks and um, different twitches and head nods and things like that, which is just underlying dysfunction. Um, and then it's you know it can be in their speech pattern and in their in their rhythm, the way that they're communicating with you. Eye contacts are really big one when somebody's feeling safe they're going to talk and look at your, your your eyes and just communicate with you whereas somebody who's not and you where they usually would be might be averting their eye contact might not want to open up and converse mm. and then it's um then body language as well is a, a massive one so it's just again that closed down posture not necessarily just not following their usual patterns of what mm. would would see so then it's just opening up that conversation and I think it's as just you know as leaders or as professionals it's being there for the people who even aren't there at, at the mm. moment so we're doing a lot of care calls and things for people who aren't able to come into the practice but just making sure that they're they're okay so the line of communication is open with everyone mm. and just making sure that at least our community is is feeling cared for. It's really interesting and I think it, again that awareness in yourself is if your hand is shaking or if you are suddenly struggling to get your words out, it's you're not just tired, you know, maybe there is something else going mm. on and, and working through those. And it's been such an interesting discussion. And again, it, I think that first point about businesses really being a connection of humans, um, all of these things are so complex. The individuals and how it plays out is, is so incredibly unique. Um, and I think some of the things that you've all highlighted today are really thought provoking. And I think just that awareness of keeping our eyes open for ourselves, but also our eyes open for those and looking for some of those physical signs, looking for some of that withdrawal and, and making sure that if we are coming together to make decisions that we have that clarity and we're not just making decisions because we just desperately want a decision to be made um, as well. I think we'll probably wind up from there. Are there any other concluding comments that the panel wanted to make just on that whole idea of mind, body and business and where we're at? Don't put it off. It's a great one, Rachel. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I guess mine would be um, continue to re-envision or start even to mm. re-envision your future, your business future. Uh, so really, you know, look ahead and think through what are the options that are likely to come. So there's lots of trends that are going to come from this. There's going to be a more emphasis on local manufacturing, uh, local supply of whatever, mm. <laughs> uh, and, and all those sort of things. So there's a lot of opportunities that are popping up, cleaning businesses, for instance. <laughs> uh, but there are, so how do you readjust your business to really make the best of it? of a bad situation, mm. you know, it really comes down to that. I think it's a really, really good point. Absolutely, Brian. And it does make me laugh, you know, when we were talking back about that goal setting workshop you had in January, I do feel a little guilty because I think on mine I put, I'd like some green space and just some time. And I sort of time go, maybe I just throw it into the universe and the whole world. <laughs> but have you really so had time? Have that's you right. really had time? I think that's the other myth is that, you know, that this has given us all time. 
I haven't met many no, people, <laughs> right? Not at all. Yeah. You know, it's it's really, you know, if there was a, at the beginning of this, if you haven't achieved something, you know, or completed a new course or learned a new skill, then you've not used this time wisely. It's like this is a trauma response, you know, and we've had to really work hard. Our bodies have physically been working hard. Mentally, it's been really frightening. Um, and there's been a lot to do, yes, you know, true. with the family, with grandparents, with children, with homeschooling, then with our businesses and our customers and seeing our account accountants and finances and working out what to do next. So I think that that's, that's the so first true. thing is to realise it's a myth that we've been on holidays for that's three months absolutely. for 99% <laughs> of us. And the fear factor of a lot of people coming, you know, the world's opening up. They're like, I'm just not ready. I was actually waiting to bake bread. Like yeah. I was scheduling it for a yes. couple of weeks from yes. now and now we're suddenly back. Yes. So yeah, like dealing that. with that grief that maybe you didn't have the time that yeah. you were expecting. Um, and there's no, you know, holidays coming. Up, you know, <laughs> That's right. It's like, okay, well, if we're going to get back in, we get back in. So Yeah, absolutely. So on that, we very much look forward to Fremantle reopening this weekend. Mm. We think of all of our colleagues that haven't had time to bake their bread um, and hopefully um, you know it will be just lovely to, to see everybody back and uh, the streets slowly start to come alive over the next few months. So thank you all very very much for your time. It's been as always a surprising and really interesting discussion. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks.